The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hi, and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles, and I'm super excited that you could join us today. We are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and this is the women's leadership gap. There are clearly challenges that women face on their career journey to leadership. And we want to talk to women who've had these journeys and understand what are those challenges and what can women do to get promoted and also what can companies do to promote more women. So I'm super excited to have with me today, Carolyn Hardwick. She's president of engineering at Squan and the president of WWLF, which is the Women's Wireless Leadership Forum. Also, Rebecca Hunter, she's vice president of Smart Communities for Aero Wireless Group and co-chair of Smart Cities Transportation Working Group at CTIA. And then there's Wendy Stewart, welcome. She's the vice president of sales and operations for Databank and also the founder of the Dallas Women's Data Center Group. Thank you so much, ladies, for being on with me today. And where I'd like to start is, is just really talking about your journeys. How did you get from where you were to where you are now? Carolyn, why don't you start us off? Thank you, Carrie. I consider myself as having a very non-traditional segue into telecommunications. I entered the telecom industry in the year 2000 when I joined Airgate PCS, which later became Sprint, and I was employed as a project coordinator. I was teaching school at the time and attending graduate school at night and looked for a summer job. So I got a job at Airgate PCS. And at the end of the summer, I was offered a position to train to become a project manager in site development. And Sprint was very kind to say that I could still could pursue my opportunity of finishing my graduate degree. So I worked with Sprint for five years after that. I stayed in site development until 2009. And then I took a position at SBA Communications as a business development manager. So that was a little bit of a different role, but I really enjoyed it and continued in national business development until last year. I came on board with Squan and as the National Site Development Director. And then in December of last year, I was approached by the CEO about taking over the team in the engineering division. So he offered me the position. And although I was hesitant at first, I embraced the role and love it. And I can honestly say it's the best job that I've ever had. So that's where I currently am as president of the engineering division at Squan. So tell us more about Squan. Squan is a telecommunications infrastructure services company. We have three divisions. We have a fiber division, engineering, of course, and wireless construction. So we really embrace the 
thought of life cycle network development and infrastructure development. And we were conceived in 2008. We were acquired by RFE Partners in 2014. And here we are today uh, employed with approximately 350 employees and based in New Jersey. Wow, that's awesome. I love your journey, Carolyn, and we'll hear a little bit more about it later because you've moved, actually, you've moved very fast at Squan. So congratulations about with that. And I just have a lot of respect for you. Also, I'm on the board of WWLF and I work for you at WWLF kind of, right? So you're my boss. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to Rebecca. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Carolyn, I think, stole my non-traditional entry into telecom. <laughs> um, I think it's very thematic. But but first, thank you so much. What a great opportunity to talk about such an important issue. So really appreciate it. Again, sort of like Carolyn, very non-traditional. I was also in graduate school working on my uh, public policy <laughs> degree and was actually tired of waiting tables. And Nextel was looking for a RF coordinator. I didn't know what RF stood for at the time. This was <laughs> 1990, I want to say 1993 or four. So I'm dating myself a little bit there. So prior to the first PCS auctions, and then Nextel shut down nationally. <laughs> and uh, I got a call from Pac Bell Mobile Services in San Diego saying, we're going to win the PCS auction. So we're going to start building out. Will you come to San Diego? And I was in Tampa, Florida at the time. And I was like, why not? So I packed up and I moved to San Diego, did site acquisition, site development work for them and went on that kind of full piece, you know, phase one PCS builds all across the country. It was very project-based. So I moved probably 10 times in about four to five year period to different projects. I ended up in Seattle working at uh, an engineering company where they started a telecom division, which I ran and grew that both geographically and then from a customer base. So from there, I kind of did a lot of just consulting work. And, you know, that's kind of where I diverged into having children. (laughs) And um, (laughs) we got to fit the children in somewhere. You know, I mean, it really is. That was a critical time because I would, you know, I think, and again, for a lot of women on a very, you know, trajectory growth path, and I had twins. And at the time, you have to make a decision. And I was very fortunate enough to be able to have a consulting company where I was still able to work, but be able to choose sort of what I could do so I could also stay home and take care of my kids at the same time. So I did that for probably about 10 years with them until then I decided to go back into kind of the workforce and that I went to Crown Castle and I was there for about six years, ended up at my last job there was in their corporate development and strategy group. So pretty much throughout my career on the engineering operations side, site development, policy work, zoning work, you know, sort of that kind of traditional path, I think, in a lot of ways, ended up in corporate development and strategy at Crown, and then now smart communities at Aero Wireless Group, because a lot of what we did in the, in the strategy and a lot of, again, it was very forward thinking, right? Where are we going? What markets do we enter? And that was really something I'm very passionate about is the public-private partnership and really focusing on helping the public sector kind of through these technological revolutions we're going through. 
So that's sort of my condensed journey. I love it. I love it. I'm sure we could talk about your journey for the next three or four days, right? <laughs> Easily. Talk more about Arrow Wireless Group. I, I just love all the folks at Arrow and what they're doing. Yeah. So Arrow Wireless Group is actually made up of three divisions. ComTech, which is the smart pole, city pole, integrated connected infrastructure where the industrial design to aesthetically match any city carrier's needs. We have Aero Solutions, which focuses on our A&E work and some of our tower modification work. And then most recently, there's the Aerosmart Communities Division, which I was brought over to grow. And a lot of that, again, is related to municipal consulting, helping cities kind of, again, understand maybe design guidelines, programs, processing. And again, really, how do we evolve small cell infrastructure into more robust, highly co-locatable and multifunctional use for smart city or applications. Excellent. All right, good. Wendy, tell me about your journey, girl. Wow, it's interesting to hear that everyone kind of cut their teeth in the starting out at a telco. And I actually started out there as well in 1997. I started out at, it was MFS WorldCom at the time. And I was in college at the time, really didn't know anything about, you know, telecom. Started out there, I was an account relations manager. And once the sales rep sold it, managed the implementation of, you know, it was T1s back then. That was the big thing, it was T1s. So I stayed there for a while and decided to go and join a startup. And it was a data center company called Layer One. And they had a single data center in Dallas. And I went over to head up their provisioning and implementations team. We ended up um, getting up to maybe three or four data centers and a larger data center provider purchased us. And I stuck around um, post-acquisition a couple of years, and then I decided to go back to the carrier world. And I went over, it was level three at the time, and I went over and did high-level network design for them for um, several years. And then after that, I had an opportunity to go work back um, in the data center space, which is an area that I absolutely love. So um, went over and worked at a company then, um, it was called ViaWest, and they've been sold since then. I stayed, I was there, and I managed, I was a ma- over major accounts, so I handled um, all the major accounts for them. After that, that, so the founder of Layer One started another company, and that company is known today as Databay. And we remained friends over the years, and I stayed, I, I think I was over at that company for about five, six years and we remained friends, and he finally talked me into coming over. Then I've been here. This is year eight for me, start of year eight at DataBank. Can you tell us more about DataBank? Absolutely. So awesome. I've been at DataBank for eight years, and DataBank is a data center, managed services, and cloud provider. We have a national presence throughout the U.S. We have 20 data centers. And what's interesting is when I started with DataBank, I think we had two data centers, and it seems like now every month that number of data centers is changing, but we're up to 20 data centers as of today. Wow. Okay, that is, that's awesome. So now I want to know what has been the secret to your success? I want to talk about just, if you could say, this is what I attribute my success to, and it can be one thing, it could be multiple things, but also what challenges did you face getting here? What'd you have to go through? So, Carolyn, we'll just go in alphabetical order every time. Make it easy. (laughs) So, I know that 
when I first joined Airgate PCS, I knew nothing about telecommunications. So I will say the first attribute to my success was making an effort to learn as much as possible. I had some phenomenal mentors who were very patient and answered a lot of my questions. And if they couldn't answer my questions, they directed me to valuable resources so that I could learn about telecommunications. So that was the first part. The second was, just like I mentioned, having great mentors, really having people guide me along my career path and help me see what the next step was and encourage me and help me get to that next level. And then lastly, I think that just getting networked with other women um, in the industry to understand what are the opportunities, how can I get more connected, and understanding what's out there, those opportunities. So just connecting with other women and then watching other leaders in the industry who are women. Yes, definitely. I I love the mentorship piece, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that today as we go along. What challenges did you have to face to get to where you are? For me, it was really just not really being a technical person. In fact, when I first came on as a project coordinator, I can remember folks saying to me, you're the least technical person I know. <laughs> and how, you know, are you setting yourself up for failure? But really just looking at that as a challenge and saying, I'm not going to let my limitations of my knowledge of the industry hold me back. So really embracing, learning as much as I could. And then as I got more connected with women, asking questions and then on that path to leadership, really not letting anything stand in my way, believing in myself to move forward to the next path. You know, you said, somebody said, you're the least technical person I know, and now you're the president of engineering at Squan. I just think that is the coolest thing ever. I love it. I love it. Rebecca, what about you? What's your secret to success? I think I'm still figuring that out. (laughs) um, You know, my journey's continuing. Well, you know, I mean, just to build on what Carolyn said, because I mean, obviously a lot of what she said, I absolutely relate to. And I just to take that kind of learning step further, it's being willing to learn something new every day, right? And it's being able to, you know, and again, you look at our industry and how much it's evolved in the last 20 some odd years that I've been involved in it. You really have to be willing to put yourself out there and to say, I can learn this, right? I'm non-technical as well, but I think that it's taking that risk, right? And being confident in your abilities and the different perspective that you bring. And it's important to bring, you know, these diverse perspectives, even in a technical field, because there are many of the things that we do require a lot of relational skills, community outreach, understanding, collaboration, critical thinking, and being confident in in what you bring, you know, and you combine that with learning something new and taking that risk. I mean, just like, you know, we were talking about with, with Carolyn, you know, out of your comfort zone, you have an opportunity and even against that, you know, maybe that inner voice that says, I don't know, you know, but you do it and you realize, wow, that that was a great opportunity to learn and to grow and to continue on your path and your journey. So that's been important, I think, to me. And the mentorship, again, having a few key people to really kind of sometimes nudge you when you, you know, when you kind of need that. So all both of those, I think, are really important. And I do think that persistence, right? 
I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, you know, when somebody tells you no, I said, no, it's a temporary state of mind. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you're really committed to wanting to get somewhere or do something and you're driven, again, put a little persistence behind it and realize that it may be a no today because you may have some skills you need to develop or things you need to learn. But remember, it's only a no today. And don't let that really diminish future opportunities. I couldn't agree more with everything you said. And I know that one of the barriers to women getting into tech is feeling like that they aren't techie or they don't know tech. And there are so many other options for women in tech. And I I just love that this is a common theme so far here. What have been some challenges that you've had to overcome, Rebecca? Well, you know, again, I mean, starting in this industry quite a while ago, I've seen tremendous change. And and even though we have such a long way to go as far as as women leaders and women engineers and women ingrained in, in all of our facets of business, It has changed a lot in the 20 plus years. So I'm happy to see that there's been progress, but 25, it was really hard to be a strong, uh, have a strong personality as a woman in, in a lot of those environments. I will say probably the biggest challenge was having kids and making a decision. It took me a while. I didn't know, right? I mean, wow, do I really want to stop that trajectory and that career path that I was on at the time? to focus on my family a little bit more, to be here for my kids. And, you know, I'm glad I made that decision. You know, it was the right decision for me. But then when I decided, you know, they're at an age and a point where let me kind of get back in. I saw a lot of those people who were, that I had worked with early on already two, three steps, you know, and you have to kind of start over. And it's like, well, we'll give you a a, a job and you can come in is at this level And you, you know, then you have to kind of start over, even though I'm like, I have 20 years of experience. They didn't see it in a growth pattern or vertical or incline growth pattern. And so you kind of have to understand you are starting over a little bit. Right, right. And that's a common challenge, I think, with most women. So, Wendy, tell us your secret to success, if you will. I mean, what would you say are a couple of things that have really propelled you to where you are today? I like what Carolyn and Rebecca both said. I completely agree on those. I think just it, and it's been multiple, but to name a few, aside from just having a really good mentor throughout my career, just uh, having a personal drive within myself that, you know, I wanted to succeed. And we see success up here and people don't always want to do the work. And I've always been willing to do the work. I started out in my career, we were building data centers, and sometimes we didn't have a cable guy to run the cable underneath the data center floor. Well, I showed up as a cable girl. I was always willing to just (laughs) kind of step in, and it's always been one of those where I've had a lot of personal accountability for myself, where I always question myself, Wendy, did you do your best? And one of the things that I always try and do every day and all the people that I lead is it's hard to, you know, go into a review and it's not a glowing review and you know you need to improve. And one of the things that I really do a lot is just tomorrow I'm going to be 1% better. And if I can be 1% better in 30 days, I'm 30% better. And it's what I'm very mindful of that and just take that into consideration every day when I'm trying to be successful. Gosh, I love that. Tomorrow I'm going to be, well, I'm going to, can I, uh, 
Can yes. I feel that I will give yes. you credit? I promise yeah. I always give credit <laughs> where credit's due. <laughs> so what are some challenges that you faced along the way? Wow. I would say one of the biggest challenges is when you're looking for someone to model the way for you, I didn't have anyone that looked like me that was able to cling to. And let's be real, we're in telecom and it's male dominated and no one looks like me. Today, when I go into most meetings, I'm typically the only black, I'm typically the only female and it's, it's different. So that's probably been the biggest challenge for me. And just, you know, I've had some doors closed on me because people just weren't willing to give me a chance just because I was a female. I was black. But again, like you said, you know, no means not now. <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And hopefully this is changing. And I know for actually, I know for a fact it's changing. We have made progress and, and there's some stats that I found. The good news is that the number of business women leaders is actually on the rise, but it's just not happening fast enough. But again, it is happening. So just a, a couple of stats here. Among the largest 500 publicly traded U.S. companies by revenue, the share of female directors rose 25% last year from 18% in 2015. So that's good news. And we are on a trajectory up. In the U.S., still only 29% of women are in senior leadership roles. And women represent what percentage of the population? 50%, right? So we've, uh, and, and of the workforce, I think it's like 49 or something percent. So we do have a ways to go there. The challenge is that women's representation on board leadership positions barely changed over that period of between 2015 and 2020. It just edged up to 7.5 from 7.4. So we still have a major, major problem there. And I'm glad that that's getting a lot of attention now. I know I got my first paid board role this year, which I'm super proud of. And the other stat that I thought was interesting, there are still nearly 13 companies run by a man for every one company run by a woman. And another piece that I just found so disheartening is the share of management positions held by Latina women, 4.3%, Black women, 4%, Asian women, 2.5%. This is a tragedy. I mean, it really is. This lights me up. And I really think that companies are missing out. They are missing out. And, you know, I really want myself to be a voice for this transformation because I do think it's just going to make us innovate faster. It's going to make companies better, improve the bottom line. I mean, I could go on and on. Plus, it's a lot more fun to have different people in a room than all the same people that look alike. So let's look at the challenges. You've talked about the challenges that you faced. Let's talk about the challenges that you think that all women face on this path that prevents them from reaching these roles, these leadership roles. Let's start again. Carolyn, let's just keep going. You're doing a great job. We'll start with you. (laughs) Well, Carrie, I know you and I have talked about this, that I believe that the biggest stumbling block that most women have is themselves. They don't feel confident enough. They maybe don't check all of the boxes when they're applying for a job. They don't think that they have the education or the skills. And so they are afraid to take that next step. And even the stat that you mentioned, how many women do we know in the industry that would be fantastic CEOs or at a high level 
but they're afraid to take that next step or there's something that's keeping them at a lower level. So I think that women need to embrace opportunities and I think we need to raise our hand more to, I know that both Wendy and Rebecca have touched on this, that step forward, take a chance on yourself, apply for that position, do something that's out of the box that maybe gets you recognized. And also, I think just generally speaking, women are not self-promoters. We tend to attribute our success to a team or to others. And we need to, you know, every once in a while say, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And what can I do to get to the next level? I love that perspective because it puts the power in our hands. We may never see a full transformation in our lifetimes, maybe for our kids and their kids. But what I love about what you said, Carolyn, is that this is something that we can do as women right now to get where we want to be. So I really like that. Rebecca, what challenges do you see that women are facing out there getting promoted? Yeah, well, again, I'll echo Carolyn. I think that that's definitely a huge part of it. And so I said, you know, kind of own your path, right? And take responsibility and, and all of those things that Carolyn said, and we've been talking about so far. You know, I mean, I do think that company cultures are slow to change. That's just kind of the nature. And coming from kind of working in a strategy role, it's kind of similar. It's like, we want to change, go out and find out the next greatest thing and bring it back to us. And then you do that. And then that inertia, you right, you hit that inertia to change. And so I do think it's unfortunately a generational thing. And as leadership comes in and new leadership comes into a lot of these companies to really embrace it. And unfortunately, you know, again, a lot of companies have policies and they you have webinars or HR comes and says, make sure, you know, you've got this many and you're being diverse and you're, th-, you know, but again, I think that it, in some cases, again, obviously not all, it's a show and tell, <laughs> you know, and I've always been, don't bring me into this group or don't ask me to participate if I'm checking a box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Wow. And I'm capable I'm confident (laughs) I can do this. And so don't invite a woman or any diverse voice into a room if you're not planning to listen to them, Mm. right? They're marginalized from the beginning. And I think I've seen that, again, in certain instances. And I think that really is where leadership can step in and really put more meaning, right? And make it more valuable to say, we not only respect, but we need, right? More diversity in in every step of the way. And when you're offering opportunities to, you know, again, how do you change somebody to mean it, right? And to follow through with it and to really allow those women or those diverse populations to come in and make a meaningful contribution if sometimes the top down says, well, you know, that's in our policy. So, hey, the, look at the percentages. All right, yeah, you know, now let's let's move on to the next problem. Right. Yay. Right, right, exactly. And it's, you know, it's like you said, it's not just checking a box. It's really the difference between diversity and inclusion. And it yeah. does start from the top down. You're absolutely right. And a leader has to make a decision and say, look, this isn't just about the number. This is about everyone has a voice and respecting every single person that has a seat at this table. So I love that. What are your thoughts, Wendy, on the challenges that women face when they're climbing that ladder? 
In addition to what the other ladies mentioned, I would say lack of women in leadership roles to advocate for other women. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about within my organization now is I like to have a conversation with everyone. And I like to know, like, where do you want to go? Like, this is where you start. Like, where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in five years? And when I do have an audience, when I'm speaking to, you know, my boss or my CEO or my CFO, I'm able to, you know, we're reviewing job openings and I'm able to say, well, have we ever considered this person? They're right here in this organization. Let's give them Mm -hmm. an opportunity. So just having a voice and a woman in the room just to advocate for other women, I think is a shortcoming for women in technology now. Absolutely brilliant. And that's why we're having this conversation is companies come to us all the time at Broadstaff, the staffing firm, and they say, look, we want to hire more women. We need more women in leadership roles, so more women will join us. And it is, it's like the chicken and the egg thing, right? That you need the women there. So a woman walks in, and I, I, this happens all the time, where we will send a woman out on, you know, to have a, a job interview. And, you know, she says, gosh, there's no women there in leadership. I mean, I don't know if I want to join that company. I, I didn't see one woman in leadership. I don't think that I'm going to grow there. And so this is a huge problem we're facing. And, and again, the reason for this conversation is to really help companies and help leaders say, how can I develop these women so therefore I can hire more women? So along that line, let's get into that a little bit. So for the leaders out there that are listening and, and doing this podcast, what can we tell them? So leaders, this is what you can do. Mm-hmm. to develop more women into leadership roles and promote more women. What are your thoughts, Carolyn? Well, first of all, I think it is important to say that not every person is cut out to be a leader. And mm-hmm. some people will be very honest about saying, I love not being a leader, but being a part of a team. But that being said, I'd love to expand on what Wendy said, that I think women need to advocate for other women. I think that also... It's okay to look outside the box. So just because someone doesn't have the technical knowledge or maybe this person is an introvert or they haven't had a a chance to showcase their best talents doesn't mean that they don't have that potential to be a great leader. So to Wendy's point, have a conversation with people at all levels. And I hope that there are women who also have transparency and honest conversations with their managers to state, hey, I want to be a leader. I want to learn more and move to the next place. And then if we as women leaders see there's someone who wants to move up and they don't have the skills, provide those opportunities, provide the mentorship or provide the education to get them to that next level. So you mentioned mentorship, Carolyn, and I know this was an integral part of you getting to where you are today. Would you suggest that leaders create formal mentorship programs for their companies? Or is this something where, let's say, leaders will instruct their leadership team and say, go choose a mentee? How would you suggest that leaders go about this, this mentorship? So there may not be an opportunity to have a formal mentoring program at a company. Not all companies are large enough, but it's great if you're at a smaller company to have a mentor. And maybe that's someone that's in the industry. So if you're a company that doesn't have a formal program or maybe you're not of the size that can have a formal program, 
direct those ladies to other leaders that can mentor. And I have to throw out there that where maybe you can't be mentored or that's not an option, that there are lots of career coaches. Carrie, I know that you coach a lot of people. And I have several colleagues in the industry who said they have gained so much knowledge about leadership and getting to the next level from working with a career coach. Yes, yes, that's great advice. Great advice. In fact, I know that companies and leaders that have paid for career coaches for women and to really help develop them as well. So that's a great point. So Rebecca, what do you think that leaders can do to really help promote more women into leadership roles? Yeah, I think the mentorship idea is clear. I mean, I think there's a lot of value to it. And I do think that if there isn't someone within, you know, as Carolyn kind of referenced, within your company, if if you're not lucky enough to have a Wendy, you know, or Carolyn, there are also industry groups, a lot of women-led technology groups now, and there are a lot of resources. So again, don't give up. And if you don't see it where you're at, again, do some due diligence and reach out or ask for help with finding a mentor. Because I do think that, and again, I think going back to what leaders can do, I mean, it really is being open-minded. And as well, just like we're saying about what it, what can women do, right? Take risks, be open, continuing to learn. So I think if you have leaders that have that same mindset, right, you know, they may be able to see, you know, this is a hard worker, right? There's intrinsic work ethic there, right? There's a smart person. And again, maybe they don't know this, but they can learn it and they want to learn it. And they've shown that they're going to put in the the time and effort to do that. And I really do think that a lot of it is being open to giving people opportunities. Not every opportunity is going to work out. I think like as Carolyn mentioned, some people, it, it may not work. Okay, we tried. Or you find out maybe the leadership path in this one particular functional area wasn't it, but there's others within some companies. And I think it's finding your niche, but it's having companies being willing, again, to take that risk. And I do want to say that I, this, I think I'm hoping one of the silver linings of our current pandemic and the working from home and realizing that there are intrinsic worth ethics in most people and that flexibility of time and that concept of work-life balance. I mean, how long right, we've had work-life balance for a long time. And again, what does that mean? So I'm really hoping that if there's a silver lining here for helping women continue on a career path, continue to grow while balancing a family or other needs, perhaps this is really going to help that cause where it's like, I can do the job and be with my family or, or things like that. So I think that coming at it with how can we be flexible to accommodate working mothers and various, you know, different scenarios, because like we're learning now, no two family situations are the same. And so being supportive of that really, again, diverse group, you're not going to lose those voices. You're not going to have to retrain somebody new even if you say, look, you know, you have to be in the office eight to five. So I'm really hoping that we're going to start seeing a lot more understanding that working mothers do a great job. <laughs> Amen, Rebecca. Amen. You know, and, and gosh, we could, we could talk about this for hours and hours, but I do want to say one thing. So this is a concern, okay, for hiring managers. And uh, even though they're not supposed to say it, they say it to us from time to time, right? That it is a concern of other responsibilities that women have. And how are they going to have, this is a big role, okay, a big role. 
And what if this person has all of these other responsibilities? How are they going to operate in this big role? Well, let me tell you something, okay? So if you want, let me get on my soapbox. Hold on a second. Let me get, <laughs> um, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I will tell you that women, we have systems. I have systems in place and a support structure in place that allows me to do the work of probably 40 people, right? Because I had to, I had no choice. I couldn't operate in anything else. So we are very, very good at creating those support structures and systems, right? Am I not right? And that allows us to have that big role and also to have those systems inside of that big role to make that successful. So yeah, I love that, Rebecca. You are so right about that. So Wendy, what can companies do? What can leaders do to get more women into leadership roles? I think, well, first, one of the things that companies can do is be intentional about having women in leadership roles. Make sure that every job that you're interviewing for, that you're considering a woman. To piggyback on that, I would also say just be, as women, we have to be willing to advocate for other women. Be willing to step out and mentor other women and be a part of their village. If you see someone that's struggling, be willing to help them out. Be willing to encourage them. A lot of times... I'm going to say I work with some amazing women and they work really hard. And sometimes, you know, they just need a tap on their shoulder just to encourage them to like, hey, I see what you're doing. I see your efforts. And I'm always willing to support them in their career path and their journey as they grow. I would say a good example is there's a young lady that works at my company now. She's probably been there 10 years. And when I say she's one of the hardest working women I've ever seen, her daughter was sick one day and no one knew that her daughter was at her desk. Like she made her a pallet and she kind of, you <laughs> That's know, great. she didn't have to come in that day, but that's just, when we talk about women, like women work hard and I will always, always have the back of a mother, a single mother, because they're always willing to do the work and just need someone that's willing to advocate for uh, women more. That makes so much sense. That brings to my mind an unconscious bias conversation that I yeah. do believe some leaders, they have a bias that they don't even know about and they want to hire more women. They want to promote more women. But I hear this all the time, the best person for the job. I want the best person for the job. Yes. Well, what if the best person for the job is right in front of you, but you're not seeing the block that you have to making that person the right person for the job and giving them the opportunity. So I truly think that that plays a part because if we ask telecom leaders today, and I believe me, I ask a lot of them <laughs> about women and, you know, every time and they say, I want to hire more women. We need more women in leadership roles. This is, you know, you can do this, Carrie, you know, a lot of women, let's do this. And I know they want to, and they've got these great attitudes. So what's in the way then? I won't go in order, but what do you think's in the way? I mean, they have the desire. Leaders really do. I mean, what's in the way? I do think there needs to be a bigger pool in our industry. As you said, the tide is changing a little bit, but 20 years ago, I would like to see the stats on how many women were in telecommunications and were on that career path to the C-suite. And now there is a bigger pool of women and women who are intentional about going higher in their leadership roles. But I think we need an even, an even bigger pool. Yes, we do. I agree. And I think one of the things that companies can do is look at your stats, publish those stats. How many women do you have in leadership roles? How many minorities do you have in leadership roles? 
take a look at that. And once you see that, typically it's an aha moment. It's one of those moments where it's like, oh my God, I see, you know, 75% of our company are men and less than 10% are women in leadership. And I think once you evaluate that and look at that, I think you can be a little bit more intentional in fixing that. Yes, I agree. The only thing, you know, I'll go back sort of to what I said earlier and and kind of your comment about the interview where a woman went and said, wait, you know, am I going to fit in here? So I think that, again, intentionality about wanting to hire women is step one. But say you hire that person, but you don't really embrace that as a culture within your company. And you don't, again, really make them feel like they're a valuable, contributing, equal leader or team member, whichever level, you know, they come in at. And then I, that's when we're going to start seeing it. It's got to be again, embedded in the culture, which like I said, is, is a, a generational and it takes time, right? It takes, yes. it takes that one woman to say, I may be the only leader, <laughs> but I'm going to take that job and I'm going to change this culture. Right. So it takes some courageous women maybe <laughs> to join some of these uh, boards, right. Or join some of these leadership teams that are male, all male, and be willing to say one of my goals is not only because I think it can be value added to this company, but I'm going to bring that culture shift, right. Mm. To this company. And Rebecca, if I can just tag onto that for women who want to step to the next level or enter into a leadership position. If you aren't getting that at your company, don't be afraid to move on. I mean, I think a lot of people say, this is the culture at my company and there is an opportunity, but I don't want to move. It's okay, especially in our industry where there will be a workforce shortage. It's okay to step out and say, I'm willing to move to a different company where I will have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. One of the best ideas that I can say that's real personal to me is my boss recently challenged every VP that reports to him to have, um, to have a mentee. And I would say in my company, that's probably 10 to 15 VPs. And I was in charge of mapping that vice president with anyone within, within the organization. And if I could say that's probably one of the most rewarding experiences that I've ever had, because what I was able to do was look across the portfolio and pair a VP up with someone in the organization that they really did interact with. And as part of the sales organization, we rely on everyone in the company. I mean, from bottom to top, you know, top down, we rely on everyone in the organization. And in pairing those relationships, I knew that those vice presidents are going to be so invested in the success of those individuals that they were going to promote them, they were going to coach them, they were going to mentor them, they were going to lead them, and then they were going to be willing to advocate for them. And if more companies did that, just work within within your organization to pair relationships up like that, then it won't be such a huge disconnect when you're looking for talent to fill the roles that you have. Wow, that's something right there that every leader listening to this podcast can take back and put into action. I absolutely love that. That's great. Speaking of courageous women, I have one of my favorite quotes, and I, I used to tell this to my children all the time because they were athletes and you know they wanted to be professional athletes. And it's like, gosh, but the odds are one in a million. And I say, well, if the odds are one in a million, then be that one. 
So let's talk to women about right now. Okay. It hasn't changed. It is what it is. This is what we're facing. This is what we're living in, in tech and in telecom. So what can they do to beat the odds right now? And I want to ask each one of you, what have you done to beat the odds and what advice would you give to them? So Carolyn. So I think the first thing is something that Wendy mentioned earlier that we need to be intentional. So if we want to be leaders or move up in our career paths, we need to communicate that to management. We need to be intentional about learning and and evolving in our career path. And I think also to ask for that position, if you want to take that position, move if you're not in a culture where there is that opportunity. And then also, you know, we mentioned this a little bit, just be networked in the industry. There are so many great women's organizations. You know, you mentioned WWLF. There are many which have mentoring programs or webinars and will educate and also provide networking opportunities. So you can see other women modeling leadership in their companies and Quite honestly, you know, that even working with WWLF, I've taken advantage of learning more about leadership and characteristics and the qualities that I need to get to the next level. The other thing that that I wanted to just end on is that be aware that leadership is more than just applying for a position or your particular job at your company. It also is your character and it's your social media posts and so many things. Mm. I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've told you this story, but when I was considered for this position of taking over the engineering division, the senior leadership team communicated to me that the reason they thought I was the right person for this job is because they saw what I did at WWLF and they appreciated how I led that organization. And I never realized that the leadership I had in that organization would transfer over into my leading at Squan. So people are always watching. And I think that that's important. Yes, they are. That's awesome. So Rebecca, Mm -hmm. how did you beat the odds? And what Um, advice would you give? So there were kind of, there are kind of like five things that like when I get a call, you know, and can you have coffee, you know, you know, what do you think? Or or these type of things when you talk to young women coming up, and again, whether they, whether it's again a first step, a second step, again, or as they move up up the ladder, if they're looking to take that leadership role or not, but continue, you know, on their own path. So, you know, kind of what what I've said is is you know be willing to learn something new every day. I, I'm a absolute firm believer in that. That literally, I learn something new every day. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Right. I remember many many times I'm sitting in a room again, only woman. And they're talking about, and I have no idea what they're talking about. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, sorry to interrupt, but you know, I've been, <laughs> so I think the, again, being willing to be like, ask questions, right? Because we don't know everything and being willing to put yourself out there and learn, I think it is just critical seeking out a mentor, you know, and that's, and again, I say that that way, don't wait for it to come to you, Right. You seek out a mentor and whether, again, that be in your company or external, but that support and that role model and all of those different things is is crucial. Taking risks, right? And taking opportunities that you may be outside your comfort zone. Again, I think, you know, those little steps where you you have taken that one step have really, you know, it propels you because, again, you learn something new. And I think kind of all that summed up is own your own path. 
right? Again, back to the no is a temporary state of mind. If you want to go in a direction back to being intentional and all these, some of these other can kind of roll that up. And then lastly, Carolyn kind of touched on it with WWF and her volunteerism, but I always tell people give back, Mm -hmm. give back. And I think that by giving back, you get so much more than you ever give. And so really putting yourself out there to give back to your community, to your organization, to other women will come back multifold. So those mm-hmm. are kind of my five, five things. Love it. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. I love it. That's great. That's great. Wendy, what about you? What advice would you give to women who really want to rise to the top and maybe they're facing challenges right now? I think that Carolyn and Rebecca gave some excellent insight. What I would encourage women to do is just be willing to advocate for yourself. As women, you know, we get so comfortable just fitting in and blending in. And, you know, my message is if you're the smartest one in the room, it's time for you to move to another room. And be, be okay with that. <laughs> I like like, that. I mean, there's nothing you can gain from being, <laughs> being the smartest one in the room. Go in the room that you can grow. You should always be growing and learning. And I would say probably just be willing to do the work. I get up super early in the morning. So most mornings it's about 5 a.m. because I'm always giving back. I'm always volunteering to do something or I'll forget to, you know, respond to an email or send a text. And what I do throughout my day is I make a note. I have a notepad on my phone and I make a note of different people that I want to encourage, motivate. And sometimes I forget. I don't get to it. The hours run out. And I get up early in the morning and it's just, I'm rewriting their names down so that I can encourage them for that day. So I would say, especially just continue to give back, be willing to do the work. Don't give up on yourself. One of the things that I do every morning, I listen to the same song every morning, just get up and it's one song and it's, it's worth fighting for. And it's just an encouraging, you know, some encouraging words to myself. If I'm worth fighting for, I should be willing to fight, uh, fight for others and encourage others. So that's the advice that I would give women is to, and don't give up. Don't give up. That no, no first, right. that fifth no. <laughs> I've heard a lot of no's <laughs> in my career, but you know, I'm willing to go back and relearn and, and grow and improve my skill set. And as we get older, we get comfortable and we think we, you know, we're we're where where we want to be. And I'm never comfortable being just settling where I am. And I had a friend say, if there's gonna always be someone that's smarter than you, but don't let anyone outwork you. And that's how I get up every day. It's like, he's not going to outwork me today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's, you know, that's mine too, Wendy. I'm like, look, somebody's more talented, smarter, you know, but nobody will outwork me. Nobody. And they're getting up at and seven. We're getting up at five. <laughs> thank you, girl. We sure are. Yeah. <laughs> we got two extra hours on them. Yes. Also, I think, you know, something that's relative to what you said is, be okay that if you make a mistake along the way, I think to your point, growth only happens if you make a mistake and you're honest about it. I mean, just because we're in a leadership role doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes and we are human and it's okay to admit that and to model that because people need to understand that even leaders make mistakes or they don't know everything and it's okay to ask questions and make mistakes and grow from that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Any other last thoughts before we, before we, I could just, I just want to have this conversation all day. <laughs> One thing that we really haven't talked about, and it's probably a whole nother podcast, but is take care of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Your yeah. health, your mental health, 
because all of us who do so much for our companies, for others, for our families, taking care of yourself mentally and physically and taking the breaks that you need is, is so important because the burnout stress is, is immense. And so self-care, right, you know, I think is, again, just another critical piece. I'm not real good at it all the time. I try to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, right, right. I'm not good at it all the time either, but I'm definitely giving my best shot. That's an awesome way to end this episode is on really taking care of yourself. So ladies, this has just been fantastic. I want to have you all on again. This And thank you for your time. It really has been wonderful. If you don't mind just letting the audience know maybe where they could reach your company or find out more about your company or maybe connect with you on LinkedIn. And Carolyn, talk a little bit about WWLF as well, the Women's Wireless Leadership Forum, because that's a phenomenal organization. So take this time to tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, I was going to say most people can reach me through WWLF.org. And it is an organization with a tagline, that we are keeping women connected. So we're an organization and not just comprised of women. We do have some males in our organization, but we really focus on networking, education, mentoring women. And we have about 1,300 members. And we just really focus on women who are trying to get trained in leadership or just take on some new skills and also just networking with other professional women in the industry. So folks can reach me through www.lf.org or my company website is squan, which is S-Q-U-A-N.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So that is how you reach me. And for WWLF, I'm the director of um, industry relations. And so one of the things that I do is I ask corporations to be partners of WWLF. And then the corporations can provide memberships to their employees, whether female and male or male. And then WWLF will develop and provide mentorship and all kinds of great things to the employees. So phenomenal organization. Um, Rebecca, what about you? Where can you be reached? And Arrow. Yes. So it's arrowwirelessgroup.com. So please go there to check out the company. Probably the easiest way to reach me uh, is through LinkedIn. I'm probably, should be relatively easy to find, but definitely looking forward to opportunities to continue to learn and to reach out to more women who are looking to continue to grow in this field. So thank you. Great. Great. Wendy. Yeah, so you can go on to our website. It's www.databank.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Dallas Women's Data Center Group also has a group group on LinkedIn. LinkedIn so feel free to um, connect there. And I'm all across all the other social platforms. So I'm happy okay, to- Okay, and I'm gonna hold you to this, building the Dallas Women's Data Center. Okay, yes. what we talked yes. about in the beginning, all right? <laughs> I think I think that was, that was that just came out of my mouth somehow. Yes. So we're gonna hold you to that one. So ladies, thank you so much for being on this episode of 5G Talent Talk. I thoroughly enjoyed it and we will meet again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit 
broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.